Well, good morning again. It's been a good day so far. Victor's already preached the sermon that we really need to hear by being baptized. So encouraging to see that. Um, so we're continuing our study of Proverbs uh, in the topical portion today, talking about wisdom and relationships. And if, if you've read any in the Proverbs, you know, in some ways it describes the good life, how life should be lived and enjoyed, the kinds of rules, principles that that can help us simply to make good choices that lead to good relationships, good outcomes, and the Lord wants those things for us. And something that at least has become more clear to me, I trust has been clear to you, is that first is that, um, that this is not about so much about what we know, that is it's not so much about having information, it is highly relational. Wisdom is relational. We live out wisdom in relationship with God and with other people, but also, a healthy relationship depends on God's wisdom. We've seen it before. We're all depending on some kind of wisdom, right? We're guided by something. And what Proverbs sets before us is how God's wisdom looks in relationship to himself as well as, as to those with whom we relate. So we'll talk about four kinds of relationships today. We'll talk about friends and neighbors. We'll talk about marriage and we'll talk about parenting. I won't ask you to raise your hand, ask if you have any friends, I trust <laughs> you can think of at least one. You might do better in the neighbor categories, like, okay, nobody likes me, but there are people <laughs> who are at least close to me. But, uh, so friends are, are so valuable and important. They represent that level of relationship that's not the closest, like immediate family, nor is it the, the most distant people that we are acquainted with and see, but, but don't have, maybe don't feel a direct responsibility for day by day. And that level of relationship has really faced a challenge, especially in the last two or three years with COVID, right? Because, I mean, the people you're close to, you stay close to. I mean, even if after, um, you know, a couple of years of, of lockdown, <laughs> thinking we could venture out of the house, we could actually talk to somebody else. But, uh, and then the, the distance relationships, because you don't see those people, they, they tend to remain distant. And so it's those, that group in the middle that, that tends to suffer the most by the challenges brought on by COVID, by the separation required. And it seems like in its place, what has happened is we replaced the face-to-face the -face and the personal relationships with screen time, whether that's um, maybe Zoom and FaceTime, all that's good. I thank God for that because it lets us stay in good touch with our kids a lot better than, than we were able to stay in touch with our families when we first moved over here. So we thank God for that, but at the same time, that can be an escape, or maybe it's not a, a you know, the, the communication type things is the just the alone it's the Netflix and Hulu and all the other streaming services that are available that that keep you isolated and add to that a layer of maybe social media where what you find when you look at that is what we'll call faction friendships that is these are uh, people whose alignment is is political or on some opinion some social issue and you'll either encounter people who agree with you or disagree with you, and either one is likely not to open your mind to anything. It's likely to drive you deeper into what you already think. And so it, uh, it's good to have information, and yet at the same time, what it looks like is we are more connected than ever, at least we think we are, and yet we're more isolated than ever. Loneliness is a greater problem now than ever before. And it's a, a strange paradox, and it's an irony, right? So from Proverbs, I want us to see, as we think about friends, uh, three things that friends, three ways that friends bless each other. So as we hear this, think about how you have friends who have blessed you in this way, and perhaps how you have blessed friends in this way, or could be a blessing. Think of, 
of friends in need that you could bless in this way. So the first thing is that friends help in time of need. See, Proverbs tell us a true friend remains a friend in good times, but especially in bad times. So in Proverbs 17, it says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So a friend in this case is, is as important as family. He becomes like a brother. I've got a friend from seminary days and over the years we have come alongside each other at very difficult times in each other's life. Sometimes it's his life, sometimes it's mine. And uh, his, his friendship has really been a, a source of strength for me. Now I'm a strange friend to him. He's, he's uh, a lot more disciplined than I am. He's published several books, and, um, and he sent me a copy of one book that I had proofread for him. So basically, my act of friendship was finding all his mistakes. <laughs> it's like, you're welcome. This isn't clear at all. So, but he did actually thank me for that, so that was, that was nice. But we've uh, become very close friends over the years and, and treasure that friendship. And for many of us, uh, who live here, don't live in our, our passport countries, our extended families are nowhere close. Those normal means of support and relationship, that, that network of help. And who do we reach out to? Well, it says in Proverbs 27, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And don't go to your relative's house when disaster strikes. It's better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And I think most of us can probably identify that here because our extended families aren't anywhere close. We, we experienced that in a little different way during COVID. Our son Andrew was a university student and his campus closed. So he had to find another place to stay for an extended time. And his first thought, because he was not far from my family, was he'll contact dad's family. Unfortunately, uh, my mother was in a high risk for COVID because of her age. My sisters were taking care of her, so they couldn't risk exposure to him. This is before any vaccines were available. And so what to do? Well, thankfully, there have been four friends that just opened their homes to him. Even though they didn't know him, they knew me and, and opened their homes. And it's not that there have been four because he was such a terrible tenant. It's just different circumstances required a change. And he's staying with one of those now as he prepares for marriage. But it's uh, such a blessing to know that, yeah, my family, the desire was there to help, but they couldn't. But I had friends in that town who were able to help. Friends do that. They step in, especially in time of need. A third thing friends do for us, or is this second thing? Second thing. Friends provide trustworthy counsel. That's one of the blessings of friendship. We can trust that what they say to us, it, they at least have their best interests at heart. They may not know everything, may not know all the facts, but what they say will be motivated by a true desire to help, and it will be motivated by our best interests. So we find in Proverbs 27, verse 9, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. So you can know that. If a friend talks to you, uh, hopefully you have that kind of friend who, when they speak, you know that what they are giving you is, is straight from their heart. On our last extended time in the U.S., I reconnected with a guy a few years older than I am. Uh, that's maybe hard for you to imagine, but... <laughs> There are a few people still living that are older than I am. And, um, but reconnected, uh, old friends, we began meeting. I just said, look, let's meet weekly as long as I'm in town. And it was just such an encouragement just to hear his counsel about different things. The really scary day was toward the end when he asked my advice about something. I thought, man, I don't know what to tell you. But that didn't, you know me, I've never let a little thing like ignorance keep me from giving advice. So... Um, but I really treasure his friendship. He's 
close to retirement, a geologist, just a really godly brother and, and a dear friend. Uh, a third thing friends do to us is they sharpen us. So we find in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now you know that the sharpening process, as with metals, as with people, almost always requires some kind of abrasion, right? There, is, there has to be some kind of friction. There is some kind of uh, hard surface meets hard surface. That's how sharpening works. Friends do sharpen us. Uh, sometimes the Lord brings abrasive people into our lives who may or may not um, you know, intend to help us, and the Lord is gracious to use abrasive people to sharpen us, whether they intend to or not. But more often than not, what I find is a true friend is someone who will have that difficult conversation. They will meet, meet your rough edges with the grace of God in the gospel. And though it may feel like an abrasion and painful, the sparks may fly. If, you're, if you've ever sharpened metal, you understand that. Um, it, it grows us. It deepens us. It takes us farther. And we, we need to be grateful for those. So those are some things that friends do for us that we see in Proverbs. Another category of relationship is neighbors. So I won't ask you if you have any friends, and I think most of you have neighbors. Um, so neighbor is an important category in Scripture as well as in life. We're familiar with Jesus' statement that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, those are the most important things to him, to the Lord, that um, should be for us as well. Um, neighbor, of course, can be affected by culture. And I grew up in a small town in the southern U.S. So we knew virtually everybody, everybody but the newcomers who had only been there 20 years. So you know, you know how small towns are, at least how they are in the U.S. We knew everybody. You're driving through the town, big wave, because we all know each other. Now we moved to Prague, and um, it's a little different here. Let me just say, it's not quite like, like southern U.S. Uh, our neighbors in our current flat uh, didn't speak to us at all, not even a dobri den for a few years, a few years. And even then, when they started, it was just inside the building and not on the street. If we saw each other on the street, they would pretend they didn't see me. And I know they saw me, and I would stare at them, you know, and, and I'm the complete, total countercultural. I'm just like, hey, <laughs> I can't imagine why they wouldn't act like they, you know, we knew each other. So uh, even now, we've been in this flat 15 years, and still some of them ignore me on the street. It's pretty fun. Of course, I do the same thing now. <laughs> I'm just totally adapted. I remember in the last flat we lived in, we hadn't been there very long. A guy came to the flat, and he was looking for our landlord. And uh, I said, you know, he's not here. We've just moved in. My name's Preston. And he just looked down at my hand and looked at me, and my, it's like, like I was an alien. You know, and, you know, and I said, you know, what's your name? Looks like a total southern idiot, right? I mean, just so culturally uh, inept. And, uh, and he told me his name, and of course, there were no vowels in his name. I had no idea what he said. And I asked him again, and I still didn't understand. And so we just passed that incredibly awkward moment, and thankfully have never seen each other again. And we moved, so... <laughs> So there's different ways to solve problems with neighbors. Sometimes it just takes a, a moving company. So, 
So how do we define neighbor? Who is a neighbor? Of course, those were questions, focus of some of the parables Jesus taught, especially the parable of the Good Samaritan. It seems like we could say a neighbor is anybody within reach of a good deed, okay? There, there's a need and it's within reach. It's a neighbor that I potentially might be the one to meet. Um, and it's interesting that the last two of the Ten Commandments deal with the neighbor. We're not to bear false witness against neighbor and we're not to covet anything that our neighbor has. So the neighbor relationship, it's important to to the Lord, it's important to us. So here are some things that the Proverbs tell us about relating to neighbors. First is we should do good to your neighbor, or you should do good to your neighbor. I'll do good to my neighbor. Do good. Don't know what that means. You can work out the specifics, but we are to do good, and we are to do it in such a way that doesn't give us power or that puts them at at our mercy, that we have control. So we find this in chapter 3 early on. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. So the the idea is it's it's getting us to not delaying help when we can help. The only reason to delay is somehow it it gives us control or power or something in that situation and puts them at our mercy. And, And that's not good, right? If you can help, help. But notice it says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. It may be that there are instances where you need to say no, where saying yes is actually not in the best interest of the person who's asking for help. How do you know? Well, usually you learn by mistake. Okay. So you're going to do it wrong a few times. But that is part of the th- that's one of the things the Lord uses to de- deepen and develop wisdom in us is, is by the mistakes we make. But you also need to know that you don't have to be the solution to every problem. Now, that can become a point of pride. You think, if someone asks me something, then, then I have to be the solution. And that, that, can be, that can be you feeling proud. That can be you um, masking insecurity. That can be you deriving a sense of importance only by the things that you do and by somehow having people in your debt. And that's not healthy and that's not wise. Now, you need to have the right attitude, but also it's legitimate to ask, is this a question? Is this a problem that that I need to solve? And there have been times when I encounter a situation of need and my first impulse is, well, yeah, I should help them, but then give more thought and prayer to it and think, you know, that would really be unwise at this point. And that might be a difficult conversation, but it takes wisdom. You don't have, this doesn't mean you have to say yes to every need that comes your way. It means You don't withhold when it is the right time. So do good to your neighbor. If you have good neighbors, thank God. If you have neighbors, be good to them. Second thing is to be honest with them. It says in verse 20, uh, chapter 26, like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Now, to me, it seems like there are two problems here. One is deception and lying, right? You know you cannot have a healthy relationship with someone if you lie to them, okay? Healthy relationships have to have trust. Love is unconditional. Trust is earned, okay? (laughs) And trust is earned over time, and it is broken in a moment. So you just need to know that's how trust works. But you have to be faithful. You have to be honest. Otherwise, you cannot have good relationships with those around you. But there's a second problem. Here you are, you've somehow deceived your neighbor and you're caught in it. And your solution is to say, oh, haha, joke's on you. <laughs> I was just joking. I didn't really mean it. Like, well, 
That, in, in a way, is an insult. That is making light of the pain that you have caused them by your words and your deeds. And so you have added insult to the injury that your deception and lies have caused. So be honest with them. And sometimes that does mean a difficult conversation. Most of the time, there are diplomatic ways to be honest. But just don't lie. Hey, don't, don't be devious or deceptive in your relationships with people, with those around you. A third thing, and none of these are... are uh, New information to you, right? But here's what Proverbs tell us. It tells us to be kind to our neighbor. Now, here's a specific example, but it has broad application. Chapter 27. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. This is true. I can tell you. I've been on both ends of this. I've been the loud blesser and I've been the loud recipient. And I can tell you, it feels... It's rarely well received, let me just tell you. Uh, so, but the, the broader application of that is, is just simple kindness. This is just basic courtesy here, but we can apply that more broadly to just showing kindness to your neighbor, just in this way. Another thing we can do, should do with our neighbors is respect boundaries. If you find honey, it's chapter 25, if you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. There you go. Seldom set, now here's, here's the application, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you, and they will hate you. <laughs> like, so it's good to have neighbors, good to have 